Hi, this is Ben. Just a quick note before we jump into our show this week. We want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and are able to, please, please donate to Black Lives Matter in Rochester, New York, and other cities across the U.S. You can donate to Black Lives Matter Rochester on Venmo at B-L-M-R-O-C. That's B-L-M-R-O-C to support bail funds for protesters. And you can also support medical supplies for those protesters in Rochester at J-A-E-Y-L-O-N dash Y on Venmo. That's J-A-E-Y-L-O-N dash Y on Venmo. And please consider also donating to the GoFundMe page that Daniel Prude's family has set up in his name. We encourage you to donate if you can in solidarity, not in charity, and continue to incorporate anti-racist actions in your lives as much as you can. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Do you want to clap on, like, one, two, three, four, yes. one, two, okay. One, two, three. Excellent. That sounded insane. I couldn't hear either of your claps, so I'm going to trust that that happened, and we were just so in sync that we're my clap so drowned you out. So, so incredibly in sync. This partly has to do with the fact that I have a Wi-Fi extender now, so I have Ooh. better internet out here, yeah. Except for when um, it uh, breaks, so partway through this, uh, we might have to start over again, because occasionally <laughs> my computer just is like, what? Hold on. What is this extension network? I don't know what you're talking about. And then I have to unplug it, and then it is like, ah, yes, this thing. So, just a heads up. But Sounds like it makes your life easier. Yeah, I have an actual better Wi-Fi router coming next week. Ooh, I don't know. Nice. I, don't, I don't know why it took us so long to invest in one, because that's all our lives are now. But, uh, yeah, no. Gonna have an actual router as opposed to AT&T's garbage uh, Pace one, so... That should be nice. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, um, had a really great, uh, really great time Thursday. So I'm doing all online classes, right? Mm, That's just yeah. how my schedule ended up. Makes sense. Um, also, they're all synchronous online, which means I have to sit through Zoom lectures, multiple hours of Zoom lecture every day. That's good. Nice. Um, which has its pros and cons. But on Thursday, I was like, all right, my class starts at 1. And I was running a little behind. So I opened my laptop up. It's like 1.58. Sorry, nope, it is 12.58. <laughs> um, and our internet was out. Um, and me and two of my roommates also had classes at 1. Um, I actually think one of them had a class at one and the other one had work at one where she like has to be like making calls through the internet. And so we were all like trying to problem solve because it was showing like my phone was connected to the internet and working, mm -hmm. but it, my laptop and also their laptops decided the internet did not exist. Mm. <laughs> and so I do not know how that got figured out because I was writing an email to my professor <laughs> about being late um, that I couldn't send until we got internet <laughs> access again. Uh, but 
you know, it got figured out and I got in. Um, and when I arrived in the class, they were talking about an assignment that no one did. And I was like, oh, God, but I did it. How do I tell you I did it? Oh, mm. I'm a good egg. Please. That's uh, rough. Yeah. yeah, loved it. Have you had similar experiences, Ben? Uh, no, I've been on time to all of my Zoom classes. Thank <laughs> you very much. Well... I've also been on time to all my Zoom classes. All of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't take How classes. Do- <laughs> <laughs> For those of you at home. Um, yeah. Good times. There were a few times when I woke up like 15 minutes before the Zoom meeting and almost missed it. Mm. Yeah, that's that's rough. Honestly, so that's fun. Yeah, oh. honestly, not... Ooh. Oh, no. What? Oh god! Oh, no. oh god, Chris! <laughs> what? What? Are you like hitting your oh. mic? What the hell? Oh, this looks very different now. Did it change inputs? No. It... Because you sa- you sound quite different. Yeah, no. The signal's coming out quite different too. It's like it all of a sudden decided, hey, I'm gonna <laughs> record this at. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, it's not bad. It just seems like it's a lot louder. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, so I'm gonna decrease the recording volume. Is that better? I mean, I don't don't think we'll be able to hear the decrease in your recording volume. You don't think so? Uh, Like, like it'll appear on your recording, but not in the voice Oh, yeah, that's true. But it's it's kind of loud for y'all. I just turned down my... Volume. Yeah, I can also turn down my volume he- in, oh, in Discord. Discord. Yeah, so is that a bit better? Ba 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 ba. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, awesome. All right. I know about Ben. Well, speaking of talking about stuff, uh, yeah. what are we? We're here today. Oh, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves because we haven't done that yet, right? God, I love this. <laughs> Listen. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Relatable Content, a nostalgia show for a new generation. I'm your co-host and middle child, Ben McLaughlin. Uh, and I'm another co-host um, and youngest child, Rachel McLaughlin, who finally opened the outline. And, Hell yeah. And I'm your guest host, Chris McLaughlin. The and there's no one else. <laughs> That's it. Just those two. <laughs> Oh, there's a Wi-Fi router. We we have co-host with a mm. Wi-Fi router. Yep. Oh God, is Chris gone? What? Can you not hear me? Oh my God, no! You became so <laughs> quiet. You you adjusted what your voice fuck? to be so quiet. What? No, I didn't. I didn't change anything. Any? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I don't know why this is being such a dick. I don't know. Okay, now you're back. Yep. I don't get it. I don't know, man. Mics are dumb. This is going to be a weird uh, recording for this, because it's just going to keep oscillating between whether or not it decides to record me at its usual volume or not. So, I don't know what that's about. That's fine. You're, even when you're louder or quieter, you're still, you still sound like a good volume. So, like, that will be much easier to edit than, like, our first Caillou recording. Oh, rough. Tell me about it. I didn't mm-hmm. touch that at all. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good times. Good, and great oldies. 93 BBF. Um, how dare Fickle take that away from me. Um, so anyway, Babar, the elephant. Um, that may be spoilers, but uh, what do you guys remember about Babar? He has a green suit and a little <laughs> crown. He married his cousin. Okay, that's cheating <laughs> because you re-looked at the Babar books. <laughs> Yes. I have <clears throat> Bonjour Babar, uh, the six unabridged classics by the creator of Babar mm-hmm. on my desk right now. Yes, um, which also I want to reprimand you for, Ben, because remember when we had a lovely family retreat not too long ago? I asked <laughs> if you could bring the Babar books for me because I was going to be leading a the podcast on Babar, and you said, oh, sure. And then mm-hmm. did that happen, Ben? <laughs> Just, we don't have to talk about that. All right. Um, so yes, none. Of, all of this is from me not getting to reread the source material, um, but I got to read plenty of articles and others like summaries of things. So I'll be relying on you, Ben, to bring the textual, you know, readings to life. Um, oh, I don't know if you want that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, we're gonna be really excited when we get to the travels of Babar, especially. Mm. But, um, Are we? Yes. So, anyway, um, so what do you guys remember about the story of Babar? Mainly Rachel, because she has not gotten to reread the source material. Okay, but I, I did, because when we found... I, oh, you did? <laughs> nice. Okay, so we, we, we found the Babar books... Um, but that meant that we also found a bunch of other children's books in the attic. We, like, went through them. Mm-hmm. And um, Mom and Dad decided it was time to relive reading us stories. Um, as, as you do. Yes. And so I believe Ben took a video of Dad reading uh, us. An audio recording. An audio recording of Dad <laughs> reading us Babar. Uh, PG-13. God. Yeah, that that's how that's how Dad keeps it interesting. Um, is he adds things that aren't in stories? <gasps> oh. Um, we learned that um, when he also read us Fox and Socks, um, and <laughs> he tricks you into thinking that he's very good at reading stories um, because <laughs> he goes he goes very fast and has cool voices. Um, but then, since you know we can read now. Um, you look at the page, and the words he says actually don't match up all the time. Um, Most of the time. He is uh, ad-libbing. <laughs> and that's the secret. I mean, I feel that. I can I can identify with that. But the only one that he read was the first one. Like, I think it's like the Bar the King? No, that's the third one. No. The fir- okay, the first one where the his mom dies. Bar. Story yes. of Babar, yes. Okay. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. Well, yeah. We'll so we'll get into especially what I like to call classical Babar um, in a bit. But first, I want to talk about you know the authors, um, authors plural specifically. So it all started with a man named I. Preface this: I don't speak French. Um, so this huh. was Jean Spanish. de Brunhof. God, I, God, oh my God. <laughs> Just, just don't even try. So thanks for coming to our podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think it's like Jean de 
I don't know how to pronounce that. Jean de Brunhoff. Cool. Um, sure. So, so he Brunhoff. He, no, because there's no e. Whatever. Yeah. So know, it's been a couple wrote, years. He wrote Babar in 1931 and enjoyed immediate success. Um, the whole place that this came from was that um, he used to, you know, tell um, stories to his kids, and you know they were about just. You know, an elephant, the mom called it uh, bébé, which is uh, elef- French for baby. So it was basically like telling stories about the baby elephant. But then it changed the name to Babar and then made a book about it and super fun. Uh, uh, something to add on to that, Chris. Yeah? Oh, uh, I'm going to be a mansplainer here and do an um, actually. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, he only was able to write seven books. Um, um actually? Um, actually? It was actually his wife, Cecil, who created the story of the bar to amuse their boys. That's what uh, Chris yeah, said. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wait, is that not what Chris said? No, he I... said the, um, the Jean invented it. Well, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he, he didn't invent it. He did, he wrote the stories later, which were then inspired by the stories that the wife told their kids. Cecil, yes. Yeah. Um, but he only wrote seven because, uh, tuberculosis, uh, killed him at age 37. So, God. oopsie. Um, That's he di- classic. Yeah. And don't worry, he died, like, right before World War II. Um, so that was kind of fun. Um, and some of the books actually came out a couple years after he died. So his last two came out in 38 and 41. So I just assumed that they were published posthumously for some reason. I couldn't really yeah, find... By his son, yeah. who illustrated the rest of his mm. illustrations. Um, uh, yeah. That's a... You did that wordplay as a joke, correct? What wordplay? Post-humorously? See, Rachel, I haven't been able to introduce the concept of post-humor to the podcast yet. Um, God damn it. So we'll oh, get there. No. We'll get there. Um, post-humor or a post-humor? <laughs> No, it's that's a funny joke that everybody gets. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good when we include uh, family inside jokes in these podcasts meant for people not in our immediate family, or just Hashtag relatable content, or people who just haven't been around me for more than like thirty seconds. Yeah, I was gonna say this is not <laughs> deep family lore. All you have to do is listen to Chris talk for like five minutes. <laughs> uh. I'm not predictable at all. Um, so then, anyway, he had a son. Um, I mean, he had other kids, but like the son here is important because he carried on his hashtag legacy um, by continuing Babar to this day. Uh, the last book that he wrote, I think, came out in 2017, and he's mm-hmm. still kicking. Uh, he was wow. yeah. No, he was like born in 1925, and is still here. So, ah. yeah, so that's fun. Um, here are, like, little pictures of them, just so you can get a sense of, you know, what they look like. So there's I'm the, not looking at this board right now. Yeah, cause, oh, okay. Yeah, so there's the guy. And uh, there's the other guy. What? Yeah. Old, right? That is a person. It is. So, uh, classical Babar. Now, just to get into the story here, there were seven books written by the first guy, Jean, uh, they 
really the first three, I would say, are the most important. Um, the ABCs of Babar is literally just an ABC book, uh, which is why it's not included a lot of times in stuff like Ben. You said you had the original six in a book, and that's because they're yes. all the ones that are actual stories, not ABCs. Um, but yeah, the first three, I would say, are the most important. The other three are just sort of add-ons, and really everything builds from the first three, even the later books. So, I want to sort of go through what those ones are, mainly. So we have the story... Big spoilers. Oh yeah, big spoilers. Sorry, this came out in the 1930s. So, <laughs> oops, oh no. Um, yeah. So the story of Babar. Um, also, I don't know if it's weirdly cut off for y'all for some reason, but it's... It's weirdly centered on my screen. But the story wow, of Babar. Um, so we have... Uh, spoiler alert, the mom dies like pretty early on. Um, this was actually very controversial <laughs> at the time. Um, there's a fun interview that National Geographic did with uh, Laurent about this, which I'll be talking about this interview more because it is fascinating. Um, but there's... like Here's the question, is that... you know. Um, ba 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 ba. Guys talking about how an elephant uh, killed by a hunter and escaped the city, da, 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 and how there was a lot of controversy about the fact that the mom dies, and that some people have said that it's too brutal. And so the son says, I feel a bit embarrassed actually because of the feeling many people have about that. I hate the idea of killing elephants, of course, but as a kid it didn't bother me. What was interesting was the little elephant escaping to the city, meeting the old lady who became his friend. So, that's the thing, is the mom dies, killed by a hunter, uh, Babar then ends up in France, and is raised by an old lady who gives him tutors and helps him become, quote, civilized. His cousins Celeste and Arthur then bring him back from France to his elephant friends, where the king elephant has recently died from eating a bad mushroom. Then everyone is just he so... He turns green, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I fucking, I fucking hate that image. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird, weird He's image. He's like all wiggly. He looks like a green <laughs> raisin. It's, I, I, just, I hate it so much. Shut up. No, I don't want to see it. Ben kept showing it to me while I was home. That sounds like a Ben thing to do. Um, but yeah, so, and so because Babar is just so, so damn civilized, they're like, well, he has to be our king now. He's wearing clothes. Um, and then he marries his cousin Celeste, and happy ending. It's great. And everyone's fine with it. Everyone's so fine with it. So, I mean, obviously there are plenty of issues here, and we can, well, I want to sort of go over those more once we just establish the story of what Babar is, because I feel like hearing the whole story of Babar is just a lot. So, the next book, The Travels of Babar. So, you know, Celeste and Babar leave on their honeymoon in a hot air balloon. And it's like, Perfect. oh, that's Love fun. It. That's fun. Yeah, we just have a king and we'll just send them away with no real means of coming back. And it's going to be great. Uh, they're stranded on an island of savages, um, which uh, that's that's quote savages. Uh, it's very problematic. Um, it's basically just a whole bunch of black people on an island that they fight off and escape on a passing passing ocean liner where they're then ca- not even oh they're they're just caricatures oh oh the the people that they're fighting yeah no 100 they're not like actual they're not portrayed as really human beings in any capacity 
Um, yeah, Ben just, uh, if you look in the Discord chat, Chris, Ben just sent a picture oh, of you it. Mean, oh, you mean like the next slide? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have slides. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> fine, I'll go look at the Discord, see what it is. No, it was the same image, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. What did you expect me to come into this unprepared? Um, but yeah. So then they escaped. They escape via an, via an ocean liner. Are captured by an animal trainer and forces them to work at a circus. They somehow escape and Fernando. Head <laughs> Is that the animal His trainer? Fernando. Oh my god. Excellent. Tell me he wears a. Tell me he wears a flashy red coat and a hat. He wouldn't be a circus owner if he didn't. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, and then once he escapes and gets back home, he's then at war with the rhinos. Um, and Ben, do you know why they're at war with the rhinos? Um, because of his son being all mischievous. Was it his son or his cousin, Arthur? Oh, um, probably cousin. Yes. Yeah, it's cousin Arthur's Arthur. his cousin. Yeah, everyone's a cousin. Except for his children. Um, but yeah, Arthur is often actually mistaken for his son for some reason. Um, no, probably because he's Ar- little. Yeah, because Arthur's like half his size. Um, he wears a little sailor costume. He does wear a really dumb little sailor <laughs> outfit. It's so cute! All Are you the joking? Time. It's adorable! Oh, wow. He's- yeah, no, I totally forgot just how, how Fernando is. Yeah. Oh, what a time. What a time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the war with the rhinos, um, Arthur like ties firecrackers to the lead rhino's tail for some reason. It st- terrifies him, and so the rhinos then go to war with the elephants. And they overcome this by painting giant faces on the backsides of the other elephants to make them look like monsters to scare the rhinos into submission. Uh... And it's just, it's very weird. Also, the rhinos, I feel, are fairly heavily coded as German, um, which... Interesting. Yeah, but their, um, war attire? Yeah, their hats are very reminiscent of, um, sort of German... Like the Kaiser uh, helmet-looking yeah. things. Yeah. And, like, the fact that they have, you know, the front horn is sort of reminiscent of the horn on top of those helmets, etc., etc. Um... Which also makes sense, because these were written in the mid-1930s when tensions with Germany were uh, starting to rise again. For some reason. We'll never know why. Um, But that's fun. Then we move on to Babar the King, in which he founds Celesteville. And Ben, you can probably speak more on this, because I couldn't really find too much in terms of actual pages from this but so he found celestial uh an old the old lady is bitten by a snake cornelius's house burns down there's sort of like an existential crisis with the manifestation of misfortune that is then scared away by (laughs) elephant angels representing hope courage and other virtues would you say that's accurate we got to back up a little bit oh oh okay so in the first place um (laughs) The, the way they construct the city is that Babar <laughs> g- looks out into the wilderness of... The, they're in India? No. They're in Africa, Ben. 
Africa. Well, they're also Indian elephants. And okay, and Chris. But no, 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 no. The, it is important to recognize that they're from Africa. This is true of the cult- because right. France. Be- exactly, yes. France. Fr- France did was, not and have. There is a- actually it, on page one twenty nine. They do have a map of Africa. Also, just looking at the elephants, you can know that they're African elephants because of the ears. Because of the ears. Okay, but... Also, the rhinos. Also, the colonial, colonialist, like, imperialist things with France and Africa. Yes. Here's, here's why I... Because orig- I originally thought it was India. Because I thought that Babar was British. I thought he goes to... I thought he went to Britain. I didn't realize he went to France. Mm-hmm. That was a surprise for me when Dad read us the story of Babar. I was like, "Oh, France! Ah, I see now." You might have, been, you might have gotten this mixed up with uh, Little Black Sambo. Shit! <laughs> fuck that! That is it. God, God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's not a book anyone should read. No. 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 But this no, no. isn't about that. Yeah, so so tell tell me more about the founding of Celesteville, Ben. So, um, uh, Babar looks out into the wilderness and tells Cornelius, "Okay, this is where we will build our city." Um, and then he gets uh, who's Zephyr, Cornelius, by the, the way. Cornelius is the guy who wears glasses. <laughs> and, <a hat. laughs> and this is an elephant, by the way. He's like the wise yes. old elephant that just is sort of wrinkly and always there. Exactly. And for some reason, um, he's not king. Well, no, he's no. not. He's not truly civilized. Like Enki. speaking of civilized, um, they can't obviously make their own city. Yeah, it's, oh, they, I forgot about this. Yes, yes. They have to um, import the culture of <laughs> France and their uh, um, their way of building things. Um, yep. all the raw materials and everything, um, um, like, architectural direction from France, and lay out their city like a good French-European city. Yep. Because hmm. they don't, they couldn't possibly know how to do it, and obviously the French way of doing it is the best. Um, Did they... Yeah. It's because, okay, because they, like, live in a, like, a village beforehand. They have their own, like town they got little houses so do they build upon that existing structure or they just like go out and build a new city pretty much they build a new city yeah ah, ah hmm. yeah there you go ben they even have a an opera theater oh, yeah. and swimming pools um fountains yeah see they, they just didn't know to do that before exactly and they even have um they teach their kids um in choirs to sing song of the elephants which is an old chant of the mammoths that cornelius himself doesn't know the words to well he doesn't know what the words mean that's right they they know the words they just don't know what it means so we should probably sing it anyway i don't know about that (laughs) oh Oh, That's really depressing. Isn't it, though? That's like alienation from your culture. Uh-huh. Dude. Oh, yeah, no. Ugh. That's pretty much this whole series is just actively alienating oneself from one's indigenous culture and instead adopting that of the colonizer. 
and it is very much glorifying that in any and all capacities. It's always a good thing, um, and it's never even questioned as to whether or not that would be right. It's just sort of presented as obvious that, of course, this is so much better. See much how much happier they are with this. You're welcome. This is so sad because Babar's so cute with his little suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I was going to ask about the little demons and things. I just shared a, the photo of the... What? Yeah. The nightmare mm-hmm. that Babar has. Yeah. Hmm. Uh. <laughs> hmm. Um, <laughs> let's see. And this this occurs after Cornelius is caught in the house fire. Mm. Leela, he lives. Um, and let's see, he dreams about, um, quote, flabby, ugly beasts. Um, and Babar opens his mouth to shout, Ugh! Fog! Go away! But he stops to listen to a very faint noise. <gasps> fur, fur, fur! As the birds flying in a flock. And he sees coming towards him graceful winged elephants who chase misfortune away from Celesteville and bring back happiness. And at this point, he wakes and feels ever so much better. This isn't coded at all. It's a weird book. This page um, has some unfortunate uh, light dark imagery right here with all of the the nightmare creatures being um, black and dark colors and the elephants all being light avenging angels. I assume Christian angels as well. (laughs) Well, Benjamin. I mean, his last book in the classical period of Babar was... The bar and Father Christmas, so I feel like that's pretty indicative of the mindset and worldview that they were going in with. But yes, that is this is classical Babar. This is introducing Babar to the world as pretty much a paragon of French society. Charles De- Charles de Gaulle actually fucking loved Babar um, because uh, what, what's the I bet he did. What was the word? <laughs> It was Charles de Charles de Gaulle. Where are you? Why did you, is something about like it showed what France was? De, you are ah, here we go. Know, yeah. who Charles de Gaulle General was? Charles de Gaulle famously said that he liked the book so much because Babar gives a quote certain idea of France. Mm. Ah. Um, it is certainly an idea. When asked, so this is an uh, interview with The Sun, and so he's like, what do you think is the essential French quality of the books he's referring to? And Laurent sa- laughs and says, I don't know, at which point his wife chimes in and says, it's hard for him to say because he's French. Really, it's a question we should answer because we have an idea of what Frenchness is. I think it is this lightness and gaiety and civilization. The fact that Babar Mm. does his exercises every morning before having his croissant. He makes life look good. Hmm. That's uncomfortable. I hate this because Babar is shaped like a friend. Like, he's just this... (laughs) He's just a big, chunky guy. Oh, don't worry. That's the point, Rachel. Who has a little crown and little shoes... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's fucking adorable. Um, but, what, so, that is, we'll, we'll get into the criticism 
in a bit. Um, but I just want to sort <laughs> it's of... It's not like we've been criticizing it this yeah. whole time. Oh, we, we can be far more explicit. Um, but uh. the second generation of Babar is sort of Laurent's initial continuation of the series. Uh, it's nothing too remarkable, really. It's just... Like, the next couple books are things like Babar's cousin, that rascal Arthur, Babar's picnic, Babar's visit to Bird Island, stuff like that. Um, How could you forget Babar and Zephyr? Zephyr? Zephyr. Babar and Zephyr? Where we get to see where Zephyr lives in the treetops. What, are you talking about Zephyr's holidays? Or... Um, I'm talking about... Zephyr arriving in, in Monkeyville, as it's called. Um, so there are, in translation, books have many different names. So mm. I think we're referring to the same thing. Let's see, I'll, I'll post an image and uh, yeah. make sure. Is this, in the, is this one of the original ones? Um, yeah, it's in the anthology. Yes, so it's that that's... pages look like that. That's part of classical Babar, Mr. Ben. Oh, oh. Yeah, this I is. I guess I've only read classical Babar then. Yes, you. We have pretty much only read classical Babar, which, for those of you who don't know, Zephyr's uh, monkey friend that um, Babar befriends, and there's a whole monkey society that does stuff. I don't really remember the details of it. Um, yeah, I don't oh, remember. Before Zephyr we go on, can I? <laughs> May I fill in those gaps for you, Oh, Chris? Go, f- go for oh, it, Ben. Oh, dear. B- before we leave Classical Babar. Sure. We're, um, we're still on Classical we, Babar. We cannot forget um, Crestadel. Oh, tell me about Crestadel, Ben. So, oh, oh, God. Witch. <laughs> 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 so Zephyr oh. uh, meets a mermaid who tells her that, uh, tells him that, um, like, so there's a, I think one of his cousins is missing. Or maybe his daughter? Probably. I don't remember. Um, a little um, girl, monkey, is missing. And so he goes to find her, and he runs to this mermaid who um, goes to help him. And they ride on a seashell pulled by um, goldfish to a cave of Crestadel, her aunt, who's this sea witch. And she lives in a grotto and gives him a bag to, that will disguise him as a rock as he goes to save um, the little girl from the, this uh, uh, big group of uh, monsters who, if they are unhappy with you, turn you to stone. Oh, I forgot about this, yes. Oh, yeah, and they're really weird-looking monsters. Yeah. These yeah. look like, these look like um, drawings in medieval texts, in medieval yeah, they series. Yeah, um, where it's clearly like someone has reported what an animal looks like to this illustrator dude, and he's like, yeah. uh, "I'm gonna try my best." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's about right. Like and those very yeah. uncomfortable proportions and colorings, just scream medieval bestiary. Mm-hmm. Oh, good times. Before, before we exit Classical Bavar, there is one more, I think, important note that we should take note of. Okay. And that is in the story Bavar and, and his children. Um, yes. Where there's, uh, I forget who it is. I think it's the baby who gets into trouble. Um, Flora, I think. No. 
maybe. Yes, Flora. Okay. Um, so there, there's explicit uh, panels where she almost chokes to death. Oh yeah! Um, oh my god! Gets gets flung out of her carriage. Yep. Oh my god! And then al- almost gets eaten by a crocodile. Mm. A crocodile. Yep. Oh, Good times. Oh, oh my god! This is so <laughs> you know, upsetting. Just, well, it's Alexander. The oh Alexander. Yeah. Oh, um, Alexander's thrown out head first. Nurse screams, yep. and the rabbit runs away. This is so sad. Yep. Yeah, so that, I would say, is one of the main differences between classic Babar and sequel Babar, or, like, second-generation Babar, is that classic Babar goes fucking hard and, like, really digs into the colonialist uh, ideas as well as just being out there and just not being afraid to be like, oh, yeah, here's a baby, and it's, like, about to die. Here is it. It's choking on something. Here it's, like, falling off. Here we have medieval bestiaries tr- threatening to eat a child until they're tricked into dancing. Like, it's wild. It's, it's, it's wild stuff. Whereas the second generation is far more just like, oh, man, it's a children's story in this world and, uh, like, friendship, you know? Like, far more of what we would sort of expect in a children's story. Um, which, you know, is something. Uh, there's, it's not really too remarkable. Um, some entries in there include, like, Babar's Picnic, Visit to Bird Island, At the Circus, Fair, Babar and the Professor. Babar Comes to America uh, is one of those. Came out in 1965. Um, and then... Then we get into, like, some weird ones. Um, like, Babar visits another planet. Ah! And Babar ah. and the ghost. So... Oh, oh no. Is this, like, the, um... Mm. Is this, like, the phase in Scooby-Doo movies where they're, like, actually, yeah, monsters and aliens are real and there's really magic, um, and werewolves? Yeah, pretty much. So, let's, let's cover mainly just, uh, Babar visits another planet. Let me, let me go over, just read the synopsis of this to you. So, while picnicking outside the city of Celesteville, a rocket lands nearby and sucks in Babar, Celeste, Cousin Arthur, the children, and Zephyr the monkey. After traveling in space for a while, they finally land safely on a strange planet. They are greeted by a fleet of skimmer craft, piloted by some very strange-looking creatures that look similar to elephants, but... They are not real elephants. The strangers are are very friendly and take the whole family away on flying eggs to meet Mr. (laughs) Totem, the person responsible for Babar and his family being brought here. The family enjoy fantastic hospitality in his magnificent house, where they sleep in odd beds and consume breakfast from a very original machine. (laughs) The only problem for Babar is that his hosts do not want him and his family to leave the planet. It is only when Arthur hurts himself whilst assisting in a tournament that Babar is able to use the accident as an excuse to leave and go back to Celesteville to get Arthur seen by a doctor. This story is a wonderful tool to promote diversity, understanding, and tolerance of new and unknown cultures. It explores how well different groups of people can live together in harmony by showing respect and understanding for one another. 
Uh, as long a- as they're as long as they look similar to you. Here's and they never leave. Here's the fun pictures uh, of this book, if you wanted to see. They look terrifying. So you can see those what those flying eggs are, and how they're yeah. like sort of elephants, but not quite really. Yeah, they're um, much like they're much like thinner. Anteaters. Like yes, anteaters. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's weird. It's out there. Um. I think it's interesting how hard they're trying to push the, like, ah, oh, see? Like, diversity and understanding and tolerance of new cultures. See? Look, they're just so advanced. And they're just like us with these original machines. Um, but it's still... Their machines remind me a lot of uh, Yellow Submarine from the Beatles. Oh, 100%. Mm. That does sort of seem like the aesthetic of these aliens in general. <laughs> you can Google more pictures of them this book but it's it's kind of weird it's yeah it's odd um we and we can talk about it more in a bit uh but to sort of finish up the whole timeline of babar you get into what i like to call commercial babar where if you look at the list of books that came out most all of them after this point become things like babar's abc again uh babar's book of color babar's counting book Babar's uh, Book of Color, Babar's Museum of Art, Babar Goes to School, Babar's Yoga for Elephants, um, <laughs> and Babar's Guide to Paris, which is the latest one that came out. And it's just like, hey, uh, Babar's still around, but I'm getting kind of old and tired, so like, what if we just keep getting money for this, and I'll just like churn out books? Um, also, there was an animated TV show, an animated movie... And yeah. uh, those were weird. They're not. They're not great. But they very different style. A very different style. And uh, the TV show also seems like it dives into the rhinos a lot more. It makes the rhinos far more of a character because it's like you know a weekly TV show, and so the rhinos are more just like the standard villain that's there. But they're also friends sometimes, and they collaborate on things, and they're just sort of goofy villain esque figures. Um, and it's weird. It's very odd. Uh, they're also a lot more, uh, humanized. The, and when I say humanized, I mean they behave more like people than in the books where they're always shown on all fours, but in the show, they're bipedal for some reason. Um, which that's... The rhinos? The rhinos, which that's also another thing, is that when the elephants become, quote-unquote, civilized, (laughs) they transition... From being both naked and walking on all fours to having clothes and walking on two feet. And that's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> kind of. It's, yeah, so let's, let's get into some of the criticism. Um, in, <laughs> it, to be yeah. a bit more explicit, in the interview that I was talking about with National Geographic, um, first off, I hate the person doing the interview. Uh, mainly, mainly because of this question. Um, quote, To my amazement, I discovered that there's a whole Marxist critique of Babar in France, led partly by Ariel Dwarfman, a Chilean writer who has accused you and your father of perpetuating myths about French colonialism. Myths, what do you say? Mi- what? Myths about... Oh! What do you say to this? Now, credit to Laurent for this, but his response is, I think it's right. 
Absolutely. In some ways, it's a little embarrassing to see Babar fighting with black people in Africa. My second book, Babar's Picnic, was also inspired by my father's drawing. Some years later, I felt embarrassed about this book and asked the publisher to withdraw it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Credit. Credit so where like, credit is due. Snaps. Um, the interviewer then goes on to be like, these, these criticisms don't upset you? At which point the guy's like, oh, well... Uh, and then his wife chimes in, it upsets him terribly. He feels miserable as soon as you say the word Marxist. It's actually a huge issue, but not. But he's not the person who likes confrontation or conflict in any way. So to be attacked on political grounds, and on grounds that he has sympathy with, is very upsetting. So it sounds to me like you know, he definitely does have sort of leftist ideals. Uh, maybe not as much as... Uh, we would like, but you can you could say I think you would probably just say left leaning. Left leaning, yeah, yeah. But it's the sort of thing where he's like, oh man, like yeah, no, like when I think about it more, this is really shitty. Um, and so this whole uh, critique by Ariel Dorfman uh, really does come back to um, their book. Let me just f- remember what the book is in one of my many tabs. Ba-ba-da, tab 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 uh is this the tab no is this is this the tab no that's is the, no that's not the tab is this the tab is this the tab is this, this is god this is gonna be cut aha the empire's old clothes what the lone ranger babar and other other innocent heroes do to our minds so oh, shit yeah um there's a great article i say great uh because part of it is great but the conclusion is shit um from the New York Times in 1983. So basically, this whole book goes through and analyzes mainly Babar the Elephant, the Lone Ranger, and Reader's Digest to show how these have become uh, instruments of propaganda for uh, the perpetuation of you know the white savior mentality, the um, capitalist uh, narrative of society, and just sort of general pacification and uh, veneration for past colonial uh, ideas and actions. Mm-hmm. And was so, it the article titled "Who Was That Masked, Masked Capitalist?" Yep, yeah, that's that's the article by Andrew Hacker. And with respect to Babar, it's it seems that uh, let me see, yeah, the idea is that. You know, for for Mr. Dorfman, the Babar's story is a lesson in colonialism with racist overtones. The child, he writes, has come into contact with an implicit history that justifies and rationalizes the motives behind an international situation in which some countries have everything and other countries almost nothing. As soon as Babar becomes, quote, civilized, he returns, in reality is sent back, to prepare the natives for the new imperialist hegemony. Uh, in this parable, white overlords never appear. Babar does their work for them, adding a liberal veneer by showing that some savages can learn Western ways. Babar's history, Mr. Dorfman says, is none other than the fulfillment of the dominant country's colonial dream, domination without tears. And I think that pretty much summarizes a whole lot of that very succinctly. Yeah, that's um, quite uh, neoliberal... Uh, ideology also right there. Oh, 100%. You know, Rachel, 
Rachel, I would have voted for Obama for a third term. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. It's it's this idea that you know, a the savages, these people that aren't don't have Western culture, can be you know taught Western ideals and become civilized, and then they'll be able to bring things back and basically colonize these areas for us so we don't have to go in and forcibly convert people ourselves. And yes. it serves to you know, elevate Western ideals and Western practices to sort of an objective good rather than just a society that exists um, and that it is inherently better than everything else. So that everything will just sort of bend to it, and that people are always going to be better off for adopting Western ideals as opposed to not. And uh, that's just—I uh, feel—I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but like that's bad. That's 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 a bad analysis. Uh, <laughs> and hey, Chris. Yeah. Remember um, how we were taught that uh, America should be a melting pot? Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. All the cultures being homogenized into this one. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I'm like thinking back to earlier when we were talking about the Song of the Elephants mm-hmm. and yes. and how they no longer remember the language and they no longer mm-hmm. remember what this means. Um yeah. which which is really applicable to, you know, a lot of African cultures, especially African American cultures in which um they were forcibly separated from uh any sort of uh cultural background um but also i'm thinking about like in in terms of the great american melting pot i'm thinking about the american invention of whiteness Mm -hmm. like the yeah the sort of like decision of of you know which which people would be qualified as white and then incorporating them into that um, as long as they lost all previous sort of like affiliation with any other sort of culture like you know if if your family is is German um, or has German ancestry or has you know Scottish or Irish ancestry you probably don't know German you probably don't know Irish um, mm-hmm. You, you, you know, like that sort of thing where we have sort of snip snip cut off a lot of parts of even European cultures um, to sort of create a white identity that is incredibly homogenous. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, you know, if you're if you're trying to connect with your culture, uh, that feels weird because you don't really have one we have sort of eliminated them in order to create this this sort of new melting pot mm-hmm. yeah no 100 um i also want to comment on something completely different why does babar sometimes have tusks and sometimes not have tusks does he He's like a uh, shark, Rachel, where they just fall out and then another grows in its place. Like, I've I've never seen one where he doesn't have tusks. Go into the go into the Discord chat because Ben has been sending images of newer Babar books 
Yes, older oh. Babar, he always has yeah, tusks. Yeah, older Babar always has tusks. Newer Babar, though, I don't know, the tusks maybe, like, seemed dangerous. So they didn't want to, like... Or they didn't want to have to bother animating it, because a lot of these were really cheaply made. <laughs> That's my guess. I think it might be to make them look less animal. I also think that yeah. some of them, it might be just... Arthur doing things mm. like in Babar Monkey Business, I could very easily see that being Arthur with that's fair Zephyr, but I'm, I haven't seen it. So, but like, look at Babar the movie. Yeah, no, Babar the movie. That's very clearly Babar, and he very like clearly that. does not have tusks. And also, the rhinos you notice are also very clearly standing on their back two feet. Yeah, I see that. Yes, in what looks like european style armor yeah let, mm -hmm. i'm gonna open that image a little bigger oh it's still very small yeah very small okay also if you look above that i got a one of my favorite images from the babar visits another planet book yeah i know i was seeing those <laughs> where they leave i think it's a moon or a planet and they're just craters in the shape of elephants on the surface of the, the mm -hmm. that celestial body and that last uh, sentence reads as Babar and Celeste look back they can see they have made a lasting impression on the moon mm -hmm. but the craters are so deep that it looks like it would have had been made by the uh, sheer force of their impact on the surface Yeah, <laughs> I think that's hilarious yeah it looks like they were um, catapulted down and pressed into the surface of the moon mm -hmm. that's true Oh, that actually happened. Oh? Oh, I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just saying words. Because um, this, this sort of like... This is basically all I have at this point. I just sort of wanted to be able to talk to you all about these things and see what your thoughts are. So just keep, keep talking, I guess. You know what well, I mean? Let's, I am let's currently talk a little bit about... Looking, I'm currently looking at images from Babar the Movie... Um, and your the rhino's armor uh -huh. actually looks kind of Spanish to me. Yes, which is weird, right? Especially um, because they were so, I would say, clearly modeled after yeah, Germans yeah. before. Yeah, like their um, their helmets, the that sort of like curved point. This is gonna. I'm not gonna be able to describe this well. But the, that style of helmet and that kind of breastplate just looks very, like, Spaniard, like, Conquistador like, era. Yeah. Um, but then this image of Cornelius, I'm going to pop in the chat. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is that French? Yes. I would say that's... Sorry, that's, sorry. He's, that's, in, he's in military attire for, for listeners. He is in... Um, oh, why, we have we have viewers at all? Like, is, is there anyone that's not a listener? Did I say viewers? No, like, no, you you, the fact listen. that you... Like, for, for listeners... Well, well because we, <laughs> we started to talk about his outfit without saying what it looked like. Why did you share that, Ben? It's an image that showed up when I searched before the movie. Excellent. And it's, for context, it's a picture of Chuggington Safari Adventures, which seems to be a show about 
anthropomorphic trains. But that's fine. That has a place here for some reason. <laughs> it has an elephant on the cover. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, oh, Bavard vibing with that um, uh, Spongebob episode where they perform at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks like he's in the color guard. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I guess... Yeah, that, how, that's British. So how does this... I would say, like, ask, how does this color your image of Babar and sort of having grown up with Babar? It was one of our childhood stories that was read to us pretty often, Mm -hmm. but I don't think any of us ever really thought critically of it in any capacity, and it's just very interesting to revisit it and just sort of see it steeped in so, so many things that I feel most folks, or... I, mm, f- things that I don't think are great and I think most people should also think are not great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know um, mom and dad's Babar take. We talked with them a bit about it, you know, while I was still home, while Ben was still home. Mm. Um, and about like them them being like oh yeah we were quite uncomfortable with the you know island of savages we were not super like down with that but this was you know a classic story that was read like to dad by his mom um that he had sort of an emotional attachment to and then we also loved it we had like a babar stuffed animal Mm -hmm. yeah um and so they just continued to read it to us. And I think that, you know, it's impossible to ignore because mm. a lot, because it's all based, all of the Babar books and, and media are all somehow based on those original books that are, that like, you know, I don't know, ancient sins, like original sins sort of. Mm-hmm. Under underpin the entire Babar narrative and all of the future books. Yeah, that's, I that's also do think he's still friend shaped, which I think is so frustrating um, <laughs> and goes to show <laughs> that anything, anything, no matter your emotional attachment to it, can have really, sh- really shitty aspects to it. Mm-hmm. No matter how cute he is. Well, and that's that's the whole idea. Is it's a different kind of propaganda tool, mm-hmm. um, intentional or not? It really does glorify those ideals of um. Ah, oh, fuck! I had the word, but ba- like you know, forsaking your country of origin, adopting um, Western ideals, specifically French ideals. And the whole taming of the savage trope that's in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... I don't know, it's because it's, it's also a monarchy, like he becomes their king. Um, this idea of a benevolent dictatorship as being a very good, good, inherently good, good, good thing. Um, also problematic, in my eyes. Um, yeah. Yes. And it's... 
it's just not so explicit. Everything is sort of told in, I would say, relative subtext to what a lot of other propaganda is. Um, and so I feel like this can go under the radar for plenty of people, even though it is, when you think about it, very obviously glorifying these ideals. Well, I think that that's... that's not, it, okay, so... Yes, I would, I think I would hesitate to call Babar explicitly propaganda, and I'm going to explain why. Okay. Because I think what Babar does is what most media does, Mm -hmm. which is simply just reinforce an existing hegemony. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's fascinating because you can see that at play in the story of Babar where he goes, becomes civilized, comes back and re- and decides that that's now, that's, that's his worldview. He has now been raised that way. That was sort of his formative experience. He was not mm. that old when he was taken from yeah. Africa. So it's so, so like, quote babe, Lady Gaga, baby, I was raised this way, right? Um, quite, yes. Very, very, very close. Yeah. <laughs> that's the quote. That's the quote. <laughs> Um, where he's raised that way, returns, um, and then sort of enforces that. Um, and, and the way that hegemonies work is that, you know, whatever the dominant um, ideal, ideology is, whatever the dominant way to be is, um, is inherently good. And everything else is inherently bad. And so he returns and he's like, oh, you're living like this? Well, we could be living like this, which is better, and you should trust me because I'm smart now. And everyone's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And sort of goes along with it. And that sort of sort of thing is then what happens when you read Babar um, to a kid, is that you are reinforcing the hegemony. You're reinforcing the idea that Western European cultures are better. Um, you're reinforcing the idea that people are better. Mm-hmm. Um, you're reinforcing a certain idea of France a certain idea of yes. France um, that is so perfect because that that guy who said it um, Charles de Gaulle like that like that is such a like I, I don't know I don't know how to describe it that is such a perfect encapsulation of like what's up with Babar is that it, is yes. that it's, it's not like he's it's not like a big book that says France good everywhere bad instead it's like look France is good because our culture makes people happy and makes them have good things and makes them live better lives mm-hmm. and that's the work of a that's the work of hegemony is to convince you that the way that the, the way things are, the way they're supposed to be, the way they should always be, um, because that's just the best possible choice. Mm-hmm. The best of all possible worlds. Yes. Some Voltaire for you right there. Ah, that was a good, good summary there, Rachel. Thanks, no. I'm an English major. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Ooh. literature major. <laughs> English literature major. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Ben? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I th- I think that everything designed 
brings along the biases of those who designed it. Mm-hmm. Regardless of anything that's made. You can't get rid of that. Um, I, don't, I don't think you can. You can try, but you, I don't think you can. Um, so, uh, the distillation of that bias through other people gaining that uh, original material and shaping it in their own way, I think, definitely dilutes the message mm. of that harmful um, kind of worldview that the original Babar propagates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I haven't read or like seen this new Babar, but um, mm. I think that I mean, if, 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 when, if we have children of our own, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I would introduce them to the original Babar until they were older to contextualize it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, if at all, if I had the privilege of doing that. Yeah, no, I, um, I feel that. Um, I, I waited until Cinnamon Biscuit was two to introduce her to Babar so that we would uh, be able good, to have good. these conversations. Um, good. Yeah. And it's been, it's been very fruitful. Um, she has a lot of Did she also quote Voltaire in her, uh, rebuttal? Um, well, that's, that's the thing is she actually has never read Voltaire, but she just word for word was like saying all of his points. And I was, I was very impressed. Um, she's just, she's brilliant. Sorry. Sorry. Chris's mic was, yeah, you were having some static. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, returning to Ben's point, I think that the idea that anything that someone creates inherently has their own, in you know, we all have implicit biases, um, and that anything you make sort of has that in it, um, I think that's why it's so important to have many different people work on something, um, and perhaps yes. many different... Uh, people with different backgrounds because if you just have a bunch of uh, upper class white French people write something about how cool France is, uh, maybe mm-hmm. you're gonna get something like Babar. Oh, yeah. What? No. What? Hashtag STEAM, not STEM education, Rachel. Yeah. But actually. But actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag everyone should learn physics. Yes. They they should have the other opportunity too. No, only physics. We don't need any other classes. You see, um no. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I wanna see the um Babar visits the Hadron Collider <laughs> book. No, I want to see the Babar becomes the Hadron Collider book. <laughs> Babar gets his PhD in nuclear physics, and it's just <laughs> it's just twenty straight pages of Babar sitting at his laptop. It's just being, doing proofs. Just doing proofs and being like, "God, why won't it run? What's what's wrong? What is it? What is it?" Oh, yeah. Just just a whole bunch of coding errors and bugs. Just like, why the fuck won't this work? Why won't it run? Babar gives a lecture shit series on um, uh, gender and queer studies. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. However, he should maybe um, not marry his cousin before he does that. <laughs> hey, to be fair, 
We don't know if they're first cousins or fourth cousins. Well, we're st- it's, mm, it's still mm, it's a little gross. Let's, let's go way. back to source material for that. I mean, it's not like it only seems like there are like 30 elephants in the beginning or something like that. That's that true. Be- they all look the same age in the earliest images. They're all basically the same size. Oh, do they Boom. all look the same to you, Ben? No, 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 Chris. I'm saying who? <laughs> Babar and um, Celeste? Or Babar and all the other elephants? All the other elephants at the time when his mother is killed. Mm. Except for Cornelius. Cornelius always yeah, looks always distinctive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he's gotta have the, the wrinkles to show you that he's old and wise. Mm-hmm. And the it's, little it's spectacles. When you first meet um, Celeste... Um, Arthur and Celeste go and run up to Babar on the street where he's in his spats green jacket with the old woman. And they're running on all fours, of course, and he's standing on two feet. Um, and both of them look a lot smaller than Babar is. Yeah, they do. But as the pages go on, um, Celeste grows. Size as Babar. She always is and a so, little bit smaller, so that you yeah, can, a little bit smaller. And of course, wearing a dress, so you can tell which is which. Mm. Yes, but they're they're much more similarly sized by the time they get back to all the other elephants. Except Arthur is still a small child. Yeah, um, Arthur I would like is to say small. that I would like to say that the trio, um, Arthur, Celeste, and Babar, are. Of course, as everyone knows, the three genders. Uh, <laughs> man, woman, and rascal. <laughs> we got Chris, man, Rachel, woman, Ben, rascal. rascal. <laughs> little, little rascally boy. I mean, that's that sounds about right. That's what I remember from my... Like classes on gender. Yeah, yeah. My queer lit class were like, "All right, guys, the three. <laughs> Keep them in mind." <laughs> I find I don't know why I'm like laughing. Like that's just stuck in my head now, and it's very funny. You're me. welcome. Every time you, you see his little sailor cap, <laughs> you will sink. It really is quite the rascally outfit that you would imagine like a white upper class French person in the 1930s to be like yes this is what a rascal looks like <laughs> um my favorite is when they return cuz this I have this image in my brain when they return to Africa they're in a mm-hmm. they're in a little car they're driving mm-hmm. um back to like the yes. village um also mobile Yes, an also, automobile. Um, I enjoy how whenever you see are describing something that is cute and little, you say you have a very specific enunciation I have, I on the. I have a very <laughs> specific enunciation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but fuck you, because I'm about to do it again. Um, uh, Babar is driving. Celeste is sitting next to him, and Arthur is like standing up in the back seat with like a little horn yes. that he honk, honk. that he honks. Hong yes. Kong. Uh, if you can't get enough of Babar, um, which you can, 
You could get your very own Babar-themed <laughs> face mask. See, oh, I don't like this face mask because instead of his whole suit being green, um, it just has his mask being green and then the rest of his suit being the same gray as his skin. Yeah, um, it's weird. So he looks a little naked. Um, but specifically, it looks like he's not wearing any pants. Yes, I would say it looks definitely <laughs> like he's wearing a coat, but it does look like he's not wearing pants. Well, if you don't like pants, but you like shirts, you can also get the Babar-themed shirt that says, I, I am, am the, the king. king. <laughs> 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 nice. Wow. That's, that's a shirt. <laughs> Yeah, so if any of our listeners want to get us gifts at some point oh, in the future, no, um, no, don't, don't get do us these one. things. <laughs> yeah. This is, oh, on, this is on the list of do not buy it. Oh no, you should buy this one though. Oh, Ben. You should buy this um, German pitcher mug. That's the bar themed. Look at that. That's Look at that disgusting. Uh, Vintage German bar elephant pitcher and book. Anyway, any other Babar thoughts? Um, I, I think the main thing for me is just it. Like I obviously have not touched Babar in many years, many many years, and I knew it was bad. Like in terms of its you know racist colonialist um, viewpoint, but I sort of forgot just how how much it was that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And sort of going over details, just it being very, very blatant, was like, oh, oh man, I used to, to love my little Babar cuddly thing. And it's, it's a nice way of seeing personal growth in being able to recognize things. Hmm. So, that was interesting. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at official. Oh no, that's what you say, Rachel. Yeah. Oh my God, Ben, just say the words. <laughs> Follow us on our social medias. <laughs> We're on Twitter and Instagram at official RC Pod. Um, that I hate the sounds. You guys have been making some bad mouth sounds today. I was fine throughout this whole thing. Fuck you. Um, when I got on the call, Ben was making loud smacking sounds into his because he was eating something and he was doing it directly. I was into the eating mic. a pancake. It was a delicious pancake, and I was finished up my meal. Yeah, and so you moved one centimeter away from the mic in order to do it. That sounds like Ben. You know what also sounds? N- nothing like that. <laughs> something that people would, should probably do is to donate uh, if they can to the um, the uh, Venmo for bail funds in Rochester for protesters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the at BLM ROC on Venmo. Um, there's also at um, Jalen dash uh, Y. Um, J-A-E-Y-L-O-N dash Y on Venmo um, uh, for medical supplies as well. 
um, for all the protesters protesting. Yeah, for for uh, for context, we're recording this on September sixth. We're also from Rochester, so. Yes, we are there right now. Yeah. Um. No, well, not all of us. Yeah, one of us is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's Genesee also a GoFundMe for um, Daniel Prude's family. Um, I I don't have the the URL for that is a little wonky, uh, but if you Google GoFundMe, um, Daniel Prude. I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to find it. And any other things we should include? Um, the only other thing I can think of is that my uh, trainer code is zero four seven four four eight one four five seven six zero. Um, it's not as important as anything else. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's also. Uh, a true statement so there you go glad i could help very good very good well thanks wait so yep yes ben hit it (laughs) that'll do it for another episode of relatable content thank you so much for joining us and we hope that you keep safe out there and uh we'll see you next week um, but actually, you'll you'll hear us not see us. And also, it's so and also it's, and also it's every two weeks. <laughs> every two fuck. Every other week. <laughs> every every week. Every week. Uh, nope. Um, I don't know if we could sustain that right now. No 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 no. No, see every other week you'll ev- you'll hear us. The the week. See you the week after next. Do 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 do. Thanks for editing the doc. <laughs> I would definitely miss reading that again next week. Not next week. Yeah. So, so should I? Should I? Um, should I